Hi, you're tuned into the IoT Insider with Dan Cunliffe. I'm Managing Director of Pangea. Um, what you're going to hear in our podcast is the lowdown on all tech opportunities and partnerships you'll need in order to get started and succeed in the Internet of Things market. Um, the podcasts are intended to be short enough for you to enjoy on your commute or when you're driving or traveling to meet someone um, in the market and you maybe want to hear something interesting um, ahead of your meeting. Uh, whether you're a partner already of Pangea uh, or just looking to learn some more about engagement or IoT content, um, please make sure that you subscribe and tune in for our monthly podcast uh, to get all the best information. Um, and I may refer to certain sports uh, from time to time because I'm obviously a avid sports fan. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the IoT Insider Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Pangea's MD, Dan Cunliffe. Hello, everybody. And Operations Director, Chris Ramika. Hello, everybody. And we're all here today to talk about why many IoT projects fail and why some of the predictions made in the industry have kind of fallen short in terms of the numbers. Chris, I guess we'll start with a bit of a history lesson for some of the people talking sure. about where things go. I'll kind of run to this one, but I, I, I learned recently that Apparently, IoT traces roots all the way back to 1843, where a certain Sir Charles Wheatstone attached copper wires to a balloon and successfully captured and transmitted temperature data from high in the sky so that meteorologists could predict the weather. Pretty interesting. Um, it's come a really long way from there, hasn't it, mine? It definitely has, uh, you know, and obviously um, the internet didn't exist in 1843, but the theory uh, was there. Um, you know, getting data from a remote site and bringing it back to somewhere, in this case, the ground where uh, it'll, it could all be processed. Exactly. Yeah, I understand. But, you know, how does IoT measure up to the predictions made by the analysts years ago? I think that's probably most thing we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of things being, you know, sent around on the media, billions and billions of devices. Uh, so, for example... Ericsson and uh, Cisco said 50 billion IoT devices would be connected by 2020. Big numbers, you know, uh, more accurate sort of uh, estimates now put that closer to 9 billion. Mm. So, you know, uh, a lot less devices than a lot of people thought there would be. And also uh, a lot of IoT projects uh, are failing a bit early. According to Microsoft, uh, about yeah. 30% of them are not getting past the proof of concept stage. I think that's what we're trying to discuss really is like what yep. has caused um, some of that. I mean, look, from my perspective, I still think 9 billion is not too bad. Um, it's better than, you know, a much lower number. And actually yep. it shows that there is something going on. You know, uh, one of the questions is sort of why have some predictions been overestimated? Um, you know, why do certain issues arise? So we'll try and we'll we'll try and sort of tackle that. And I know you did a blog recently, yep. you know, talking about sort of how or the reasons why um, some things might not have gone to plan. Do you maybe want to kind of reference some things there? Yeah. Um, so in a recent blog post, I did reasons why IT projects might sort of fail, stumble, fall short, uncertainty, the time taken to run projects, deployment sort of, Forgetting that the IoT connectivity part right till the end, uh, a bit of stuff about skills, uh, perhaps security as well, integration problems and challenges, and budget as well, or maybe going back to you know things people are more comfortable with. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of reasons out there. So yeah, maybe we can dive into some of those in a bit more detail. Yeah. Well, maybe let's let's look at something like uncertainty, maybe time taken to run projects. Yeah. I mean, I know from my conversations with all of our partner channels, it's taken time. You and I started this business about five years ago, yep. literally trying to take an IoT 
ecosystem play to the to the UK partner channel. Five years forward, um, we've got well over 200 partners now, and many of them are actually on the journey. But in the beginning, it was pretty tough, right? I mean, people weren't really yeah, up for right. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was a lot of what does it even mean? You know, yeah. is it M two M? Is it IoT? I remember those blog posts yeah. and conversations we used to have about what the differences are. And I think that sometimes people are more driven by the what is the win right now or what is the thing that I can see in the market physically yeah. rather than thinking, well, IoT is actually a lot about creating return on investment. I think that's a big part. Yeah. And maybe that uncertainty isn't always picked up. Yeah, I think a good example, um, I mean, yeah, looking back in, into those those five years, um, you know, a lot of time we or maybe you more had to just explain IoT fundamentally, you know, to what, you know, what it is, um, you know, to C-level people and decision makers in all the companies we, um, we spoke to. A lot of the times using, um, you know, some examples, um, I think a classic one you used was like the wine bottle um, being <laughs> half full and reporting for another another glass and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if you still use that now or not, but yeah. I probably um, always have used that one, exactly, probably in yeah, every job yeah. I've done. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, you know, you can also kind of uh, pair up uncertainty a bit with budget integration as well. So for example, once again, you know, going back four or five years, uh, you know, a lot of the, the people we, we spoke to, they might have been familiar with mobile, um, you know, so sort of mobile consumer type SIM cards, you know, and we'd get questions like, you know, okay, well, you know, it's got, it's got unlimited SMSs, you know, why can't I have that now or mm. unlimited data or, you know, it's going to roam, isn't that going to be expensive? So, yeah. you know, yeah, it takes time to, to, to sort of educate people and give them the right information about this kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, those, those type of things, you know, I think that's a combination of, yeah, uncertainty and also wanting, needing to take a leap as well. Yeah. I think there's a one of the points you mentioned earlier is about actually the IoT skills gap. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've, I, I mean, personally, I probably haven't seen enough roles being advertised for that market. And I think that's yeah. probably one of the reasons why things haven't moved as fast as possible. Yeah. Look, in our business, we've grown sometimes triple digits, maybe double digits every year for the last yeah. five years, right? I guess from our perspective, we're pretty, pretty, pretty buoyant about the market and yeah. That's because we've really been focused on not just one particular way of delivering a service. We've been quite broad, very bespoke, sometimes very non-bespoke and making yeah. things happen quickly for the clients. So we really, you know, we, we really put a lot of effort in. But the skills gap could be evident because, to be honest, I suppose you and I and the team, we kind of learn our skills over the years. Yeah, that's right. We pick things up as we go along. Yeah, we and haven't just turned up and known everything. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and also in, in this changing environment, like over the, if we look at it over the last five years, you know, in the beginning with, with the SIM cards we were offering, um, most of them were 3G. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, and at that time, the providers and the operators were saying, like, you know, you don't need 4G because we're, we're defining IoT as low bandwidth, you know, sensor data, a couple of packets or bytes a day. That's all you need. Which, um, you know, we, and that has changed a lot there. Now, uh, you know, you look at any IoT device and it's all about, you know, it might all be, might be about low data, but it might also be about, you know, streaming high definition video, like, you know, a, a CCTV. Yeah. Um, you know, no one would argue that's not an IoT device anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah. that needs huge amounts of data. So, you know, 3G to 4G, um, 5G now. Also our new, um, our narrowband technologies, um, like NB-IoT and, uh, you know, LTE category M and BLE, you know, stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, you know, there's there's always constant change, just like any environment. But yeah. right now in the IoT space, 
yeah, it's um, I think it's a lot faster than a, a lot of other similar yeah. um, areas. I'd be really interested to know the stat between, of course, you know, Gartner probably went for the biggest one, which was 50 billion devices connected. I think yeah. that was the biggest stat that came out in terms of volume. We're now at 9 billion. I remember seeing... I can't remember the publication, but someone else was more around the 25, mm, 28 yep. billion. So look, it's maybe horses for course in terms of what they chose. But I would also say, or would like to know, what was the predicted average revenue per device yeah, versus yeah. then versus now? Because to your yeah. point, um, the revenue generated from a 3G device is nowhere near the revenue generated from a 4G device. Exactly. Very, yeah. very different. So it'd be quite interesting to see how that fits out. So maybe the market isn't that bad, actually, and the revenues are there, but there's just less devices. You know, These are the kind of things that we go. And again, I bring it back to our business, the way we trade with our partners and provide a ability to connect devices right from sort of kilobytes to very low megabytes, you know, single-digit megabytes right through to single-digit terabytes yep. is what we do. You know, largest stuff we do is well over two terabytes a month exactly. for some people. There is definitely something to be said about the revenues per device. Yeah. In the predictions. Yeah. So we covered the skills gap. I think probably one of the other ones is a lot of the projects run and take longer to deliver than probably expected. Yeah. Um, what would you kind of take away from that? Uh, yeah, I'd probably see that. Uh, well, especially in you know the area we operate in uh, the channel. Yeah. There's there's just a long you know usually there's a long type of process from from start to finish when you actually have the SIM cards live. So you know starting out. It's the negotiation phase. Um, you know, we may sit on that for a while, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, listening in who are in the channel as well may may you know go, oh yes, you know, this is definitely how it is. But you may negotiate, negotiate, yeah. and then uh, after like you know weeks or nothing, you might might hear something so saying where the customer saying, I need it, I need it tomorrow. Yeah, you know, I need the SIM cards tomorrow or the devices tomorrow. You know, which is nothing um, new to us. You know, we've we've been in this space for a long time now. But then, yeah, you know, it's there's always sort of that that sort of sprint, then sit down and wait. The waiting part is, yeah, you know, the decision, the decision making, the integration as well. So yeah. probably, um, so you know, there may be a lot of times when the actual requirements may not have been totally met. For example, um, they might have thought they um, didn't need a public static IP on the sim, but now they need public static IP, so they have to change all that around, and you know, and change the orders and stuff like that. Um, or maybe something like their end customer has suddenly told them they need um, CDR feeds. They can't operate without CDR yeah. feeds. They, they need to build um, the product. They yeah, need to actually right. invoice yeah. someone for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I agree with you. I think it's kind of touching on one of the points that we wanted to cover, which was that the deployments within IoT often leave the intelligence around the connectivity and how I'm actually going to do the internet part in the IoT to lost, unfortunately, or yep. or kind of throw it away as a, oh, that's easy to do. I don't think it's easy to do, and I'll, and I'll stand by that, and I'm not trying to be kind of because we provide a business that does that kind of thing, but it isn't easy to do because quite often people will forget that, you know, um, newer technologies have to be rolled out before you can access them. Yeah, Things like um, LoRaWAN have to be deployed. You know, things like yeah. Sigfox have to be, um, the device has to be ready for it. And, and, and there's a lot yeah. of these things that people kind of forget. Yeah. When they come right to the last bit and go, okay, how are we going to deliver the final piece to it? Yeah. So we so we quite welcome people to bring their IoT projects to us early. You know, we have always run a business that focuses on the connectivity, the device, and the application yeah. because we can help to steer or guide or even just support really your IoT deployment um, yeah. in terms of the successes. 
Yeah, and we're set up in a way as well. You know, we're, we're pretty friendly, I think, you know, when it comes to partners um, who have someone who wants to, you know, work on a new project. You know, I've seen many, many times that, uh, you know, one of the key things people aren't sure about um, especially when you're developing an IoT solution from a you know from an application perspective, is just how much data the solution needs. Sometimes a lot of partners come along and say, "Oh, you know, you know, we want we want IoT, we want connectivity." But then you know the next question from us, our side, usually is well, usually it's like you know, how big is the the opportunity? How many SIMs do you need? But also how much data do you need? Um, and quite a lot of the time, where do you need it to connect? And where do you need it to connect? Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, and, that, and that's when it's, um, you know, so we're quite happy to help out with, you know, um, figuring out, helping the customer figure out how much data they need. But um, like you were saying, like, you know, and then we go into things like where do you need it to connect? Um, and then, you know, it gets even deeper. Like, you know, do you want it to be fully resilient or do you just need basic connectivity? Like, in other words, how many networks do you need? Yeah. Do you need it in more countries and stuff like that? Do you need to send SMS messages yeah. or voice? So, you know, a lot of the time it, it's the person thinking they just need a single thing I need. I need IoT, I need connectivity, but, you know, going back into it, you know, the data, the countries, the add-on services like SMS, like, you know, do you need that? Have they thought all that out? Um, That's when things start to get complicated and things slow down. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Moving a bit on to kind of like, you know, where are some of the successes, kind of what the key takeaways are or, you know, what sort of opportunities can IoT bring? And maybe also let's touch a little bit on 5G because it's not that far away. I think think some of the key takeaways are – the market is growing and you wouldn't get to 9 billion devices according to the way we are now if it wasn't growing. Yep. End of story. So it is growing. Is it growing at the rate that Gartner said? No, because I said 50 billion. But yep. actually, maybe the revenues generated are good enough. And when we started five years ago, there were less companies doing it. And now there's a lot of companies doing it. Yep. Not like us as our partners. And we need to be able to work on showing other people how they go forward. So for exactly. me, for me, some of the key takeaways are, you know, keep looking, keep being available, be broadened in the way that you're thinking about IoT. It's not, it's, it's not a deadpan market. In fact, it, it is growing rapidly. And what you need to think about is things like what are the devices that need to be used in IoT? Because that's kind of where you begin sometimes. If I know the devices that are going into projects, I can yeah. kind of understand where my piece will play. And maybe your first step as a, one of our partners is just to connect the device. Yeah. Right. The next step could be work with us to help procure the device, and there could be margin in that. The final step could be work with us to try and help the application layer. Various things that can be going. There's different ways you can do that. So you can begin where you feel most comfortable um, if you're just working into it. Just recently, we've, uh, well, I was going to just make a little anecdote about something that I was actually in the gym the other day, and when I'd finished, just, just going to go and collect my bag and stuff from the bathroom. There was an interview uh, on the radio in, in the bathroom and talking about how young drivers are seen as the most uh, susceptible to creating a claim, um, which is a bit unfortunate because some young drivers are actually pretty good, better than maybe some normal drivers. However, for the first time I'd ever heard, there was an interview-style conversation about telematics making it better for young drivers to get better premiums because the telematics device can help sort of profile them to improve the cost that they have to pay. And that to me was like mainstream IoT straight there, you know, in, in front of you. Mm-hmm. And telematics is one of the earliest adopters. That yeah. market is probably the earliest besides, you know, Sir Charles Wheatstone from 1843. Mm-hmm. But it's probably one of the earliest adopters in IoT market. And to only start to really hear about that now is pretty interesting and shows you where we're on the journey. There's no doubt in my mind that everything will need to be connected in order to sustain the way we try and live as a human race. It's just 
has to be that way. What do you just just sort of closing off and thinking and, and adding to that? What do you think five G is going to try and bring to the to the mix? Uh, well, I think it's going to bring uh, a lot of speed, obviously. So it's going to be um, leveraging on what we're already starting to get from four G and things like you know high speed four G, for example, LTE category six, you know, hundreds of megabits um, per second. So there's going to be speed, which is going to enable things such as 8K video and that. So security cameras will be using a lot more data uh, and 5G will be there to support that. And also, you know, the um, the 5G capability to, you know, have sort of ultra reliable communication channels and, you know, and sort of guaranteed delivery of messages. Yeah, there's, there's going to be a lot of, um, a lot of new um, opportunities in there. Um, I think there's also going to be uh, there's going to be a bit of a, um, you know, there's obviously going to be a rollout phase as well. Yeah, for sure. You know, 5G uh, it takes a lot longer to roll out because it has to have a lot more cell sites than 4G or 3G. They have to be a lot more closely spaced together. But yeah, you know, uh, I think the I think the actual um, migration path also is going to be quite interesting. We'll be seeing a lot of 5G ready devices, um, you know, that currently support 4G, but we'll just sort of seamlessly switch over to 5G when the time, you know, when it's available. Yeah. I think that's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah, um, to do there. yeah. Looking forward to that. Yeah. Pretty much it. Dad. Um, I think we'll probably bring it to a close. Uh, we don't want to keep, keep going too much more, but you know, from our perspective, we know that the market is definitely growing. We see it every day with partners placing orders every day, um, yep. looking to grow and do interesting things. The market isn't just in the UK. It's a global market. And I think that's pretty interesting to sort of, keep thinking about it is very very possible to trade iot globally we do it um so and our partners do it as well i think on that note you know we'd like to close off here and just thank everybody for tuning in if you have any questions or you pick this up and you're not a partner do contact us through the website pangea-group.net um we also have linkedin which is pangea connected and we also have our twitter which is at pangea connected as well so do join in uh, if you want to know a bit more um chris thanks so much appreciate you joining us please do read chris's latest blog uh, for his guide to successful iot projects um, and as i said get in touch if you if you want to go any further i'm dan kind of signing off 